Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep. Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep? So I'm Lady. We're recording this July 2nd, 2023. You are. I'm thinking about July 4th, and sometimes I wonder if there's anything to celebrate. What why is that? Well, why do we celebrate July 4th? It's called a patriotic. I thought we'd talk about what does it mean to be patriotic and how important is that? And in other words, I like to think who owes who what? We're born here by accident. We didn't control that. Right. Yeah. Does our country owe us or do we owe our country? What is the relationship between personal autonomy and mission and purpose in life and the nation state in which you happen to live? That's a very big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the relationship between, what was it, autonomy Telling me who we are, what we are, our safety, our being, our beliefs, and then the country in which we live in. Certainly. I think you could break it down like one by one, each of um, them. Well, they represent a group, I would argue it represents a, a group of traits, factors, because there's, there's one element of patriotism, and that is a call to duty. And by that, I mean, are you willing to die for your country? And really? Yes. That how you conceptualize patriotism? That seems to be a primary function of it. Do you think patriotism exists to get people to be willing to fight in wars, not to die for their country? It means, well, what, what do you think it means? What do I think patriotism means? Yeah. Well, there's patriotism in the most basic sense of the form, which is to love your country. There is patriotism. I think patriotism is, I love this country and I want it to be the best version of itself that it can be. And I will work to take steps to make sure that this country is the best that it can be. And I want this country to be the best that it can be. And I love this country because I care about this country and I want it to be its best self and I want it to be the best place it can be for the people who live in it. That's what patriotism is to me, at least. The curious thing to me, I, I get it, I understand the answer. But from where I stand in life and both looking back and, you know, I was in the Army. Your dad was in the Army. I have a friend who left the country and is now a Canadian citizen because he believed the country, his belief system trumped, if you will, or overrode any faith or obligation. When your country does bad, do you still... We're here as an accident of family history. Yes. And we weren't part of its founding. We go to school and are taught about its papers, its founding principles in a way that is done in every country. Yeah. Right? Each country says that they're valuable and important, whether they're better than others, and that people who live there owe it something, including, if need be, to die for it. And is the country an ideal, and I think you mentioned that, or is it just a geographic place that as long as it respects me, and me being 
but I think it's really important. My history, my beliefs, my autonomy, my, you know, allows me to become the best person I want to be in community. It is not to run everybody else's life or take over others' lives, but to actualize my perceived ideal best self, even when there are others who have different belief systems. So why are we better than France or Israel? Wait, hold on. So you're saying that you think patriotism, that you think that a, a good country, an ideal country, should allow its citizens to have their own belief systems and allow them to flourish almost regardless of those belief systems. Is that what you're saying, a good country? Well, well no, no, it's a great question. That's what I heard. And the, well, and the question is, what are the limits on my freedom? Right. And for those of us who believe that who I would call myself a form of a communitarian, and I might want to, in a moment, pay homage to somebody who passed away recently or who's associated to communitarianism. But if you believe in the ideal of community and autonomy within communities, it purposes, in my instance, very deeply in the Jewish community values, and that you want to contribute to the country that in which you are in and that you flourish and that and it, that also enables your core values to flourish, then I'm fine with that. And I can believe that the United States, as its original ideals, seems to be better than a lot of other places that would require allegiance to things that I don't believe in. But it's not blind allegiance and patriotism. It isn't patriotism because I happen to be born someplace it's not patriotism. It's something else. Patriotism requires a fidelity to a higher purpose worth fighting for or making better or nothing's perfect. So yes, we there'll be flaws in every society. I've come to believe that the country has to earn my fidelity. And it has to, through its systems and the other people in it, you know, a lot of places have wonderful constitutions and never abide by them. Right. And then hold themselves out as great places. Well, before we keep going. Yeah, I can keep going. questions about definitions. Communitarianism and fidelity. What exactly do those words mean? Fidelity would mean that I behave with faith towards an ideal or a country or a place. Right. Now, communitarianism is a belief in the value and power of community, that respecting others. Now, there is a man who passed away the last two weeks by the name of Hematai Etzioni. I knew him. I was introduced to him because I've always talked about how important being part of a community and therefore respecting others and their freedoms as well. Yeah. And he, in the 1990s, was national spokesman. He's written books about it. The Clinton administration, the Clinton specifically, admired his work and, you know, held him up and his work up. I came a little bit disillusioned to it because there's that even communitarianism can go too far. He supported gated, what I call gated community, that everybody who wanted to be in a community could get in and close the gate and whatever rules they agreed upon were good for them and that'd be okay. So you have that example that in Israel, and I'm not going to get the name of it right. Well, this is actually very this is interesting. So you're saying 
communitarianism is that a good country has lots of different communities in it. Those communities get to make rules for themselves and they get to decide who can and cannot be part of the community. Well, it's a gate meaning that no one can come in or that they, the members of this group get to control who comes in and out. Well, even more. So in Israel, there's the Orthodox community in the middle of Jerusalem. Do you remember the name? Yeah. I don't remember the name. Oh, yeah, ultra-Orthodox. They don't even recognize the state of Israel. This is something serene. I don't know it. I'm sorry. It's in there, and Israel allows it to exist. And they're ultra-Orthodox. Women walk behind the men. They adhere to many ancient Torah rules that most modern Jewish, even modern Orthodox, and wouldn't. And I don't think they they acknowledge it. They think Israel, their faith is Israel only coming to being the state when the Messiah comes and he hadn't come, therefore they don't even recognize the state. Amatite Zioni would be fine with that. That's a community. They don't interfere with other communities. They don't try to enforce, per se, their side of that community. I'm not comfortable with that. I believe there are universal laws of human dignity and, and recognition. And that everybody they... defines dignity and defines recognition. Different cultures define dignity and define recognition in different ways. So what might look like dignity to one community would look indignant to another. Not everything's relative. No, I would argue that some there I wouldn't live in a community that allows women to be oh, what do they do to them in some African communities, mutilated and uh, right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, they well, agree. I, yeah. I have my, well, I'm, and, you know, there are ideals, and I'd like to live in a country that does at least articulate an ideal, which, you know, nothing's ever perfect. So you're in a place where you, you are allowed to work towards your beliefs, to follow freedoms. But when that country begins to change and starts limiting that, and I have no limiting, what? limiting the ability to continually work towards an so the, so so there is there are people in America who thinks this is a Christian country and only Christianity should count and if that became law I'd leave yes all right so my fidelity isn't to the country it's a country that only does certain things I see what you mean and Germany was an amazing country at one time had huge universities and academic Stronghold, there was a large Jewish community, you know, some of the brightest Jewish philosophers and scientists were there. And then they developed a different kind of government and they decided to, to commit genocide. I'm not going to live in a country now, that's the extreme, but. Right, right, right. It's it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be extreme. What do you mean? You have to be, you're feeling like you have to. I'm fine with my friend Ken Goldberg for living in Canada and eliminating U.S. citizenship because he doesn't think America is a, a, a safe and good place. He doesn't think it represents ideals and values that a... He chooses to live by. He, he wants the world to live by. It represents him too. You know, it's interesting because they want us to salute the flag. That's a form of bowing down, in my opinion. Even the flag can represent whatever you want it to represent. You can attach whatever meaning to it you want to attach to it. Oh, then it was all right for Jews to bow down, right? It can, symbol, symbols 
are Sioux Bowls, and you can make them mean whatever you want to make them mean. And it's okay to bow down if you think I don't mean it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's too relative, Emily. It's it, Words mean whatever you want them to mean. That bowing down to somebody is a form of servitude. If you bow down on order and then and you're required to see somebody, if a black person is required to bow down to a white person because whites have declared and the government declared that whites are superior, that's not okay. It's not okay. And it is what it means, what it is designed to mean. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so there is, yes, symbols can, right. So there's a symbol and then people in the culture assign a meaning to that symbol symbol me the meaning of a symbol can change however it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't just happen right there are societies there's rules there's culture yeah we all build lives and we have a short time on this earth and so every day is important absolutely so do we just sit back and play golf if we're allowed to and as long as we feel good We'll pay our dues, our taxes, whatever, and doesn't matter what else goes on elsewhere. Or, or you know, it's a tough question. It, it, I think there are a large part of the country who have this view of patriotism and requirement to fly the flag and are willing to define patriotism as their way of life and impose it. You know, d- democracy is is a solution to the problems I have. A forward democracy, it, if you get to have a say and you get to work at and you don't get to dictate to everybody either, you know, and a call to make it a better place. I don't know. What do you think about applying the word to love at a country? Love your country. What does that mean to you? To love your country? So your country is a big thing and there's a lot of stuff in it. So it's makes a very it's a very big it's a big thing back home to love your country. Well, what how do we define the country? Is it the people in the country to unconditionally love every person in the country because they happen to live in this country? I would say not necessarily. People have to earn respect and such. Is it respect love your country, love the environment, to love the land that your country sits on? It could be that. It could be loving the ideas that your country stands for and whether that that could mean whatever those ideas are it can mean loving the country that you live in loving its ideas and wanting to make those ideas a reality or loving the fact that those ideas are a reality celebrating and appreciating that fact so i mean that's sort of an academic and all that's true it feels a little bit academic we're being you know when you when we have love for example you know i spent a lot of time academic. What's wrong with that? Why is that such a bad thing? What? He said it feels a bit academic, and I felt like you said that. Because I'm talking about it in a lived life, how we live our lives and what we're called upon to do. So in the modern era, will you go into the military, and would you go on the battlefield and die for America? Depends on what the battle is. You don't get to choose. I do. No, you don't. I get to choose when I want to enlist in the military. I'm a woman. I'm not going to get drafted. I get to choose if I want to enlist in the military, and I choose that based on what kind of war is being fought. But, you know, that isn't how it's happened over history. Men were required by law, and when there is a war and the country seems to be at some risk, 
they will, in fact, create a draft. Given mm -hmm. theories today of equality, I'm sure it'll be both male and female. Women didn't get drafted before. And you'll be required if that were to happen. If, for example, Russia or China attempted to, say, take Alaska, or if they started to come to our shores, it's what happened in World War II. The Japanese bombed Hawaii. If we're going to get in a fight, they're going to bring every able-bodied person to the fight, and they'll have a draft, and you won't have a choice. And that's what happened in the 60s. And so that's why my friend Ken is, there is a choice to leave the country, but he had to actually go underground, sneak out, and he was indicted for draft evasion. It's a crime. President Carter pardoned everybody who was indicted or had some sort of amnesty. But you can be, I mean, that's ultimately what I believe that the theory and ideal behind the words historically have been that you have a fidelity that is a commitment to your country so that if it becomes necessary, as determined by the, uh, the government, for you to go into battle and give your life for it, it is something you will do. It isn't a matter of choice when it comes to it. You're correct that we have a volunteer military today, but that's because circumstances allow it. Mm -hmm. Ultimate patriotism is viewed that you will, a person will, if need be, give their life for the independence of their government slash country. Is that a question? No, as we're discussing patriotism and we were talking about fidelity and what does love of country mean? And I'm saying that as it is actually used in the nth degree of love as it's used in this kind of parlance and these discussions is ultimately your willingness to give your life. And patriotism is defined at least by the government, it's not popularly. I think it is popularly. I think it is the, now you can say, well, patriotism is I'll pay my taxes. I'll be a law abiding uh, citizen. See, I don't think law abiding citizen is the same thing as patriotic. Okay. You could be a finish your thoughts for you, and it was not your thoughts, so go on. Say that again? I was trying to finish your thoughts for you, but that was not <laughs> your thoughts. So go on. Go on. No, no. I, I've come to... So I grew up in an era where people struggled with what they thought the government was engaged in an ethical and wrong activity. And they left the country or went to jail. Some people didn't just leave the country, they just refused. They burnt their draft cards. They protested. And it wasn't considered protected free speech because the country was in a, you know, shooting guns battle. And it was thought to give aid and comfort to an enemy. And so people who protested could be arrested. People didn't go into the draft because they didn't believe there was some conscientious objection exemptions. They were hard to get. And Everybody was expected. Now, we have examples where the wealthy, like... Right. They had made up excuses. Mr. Trump had flat feet and got himself, you know, bought his way out of it. So it's really, you know, I enjoy the fireworks. I enjoy our history and the vision of an independent government. I think the 
ideals as interpreted for modernity can be a place where you'd want to live because you could meet your full potential. But you know, Emily, you made me think maybe we should go to New Zealand. I don't think I ever said that. <laughs> well, no, you, your description when we talked the other, about your trip in New Zealand and how happy people were and how the government respected human dignity by assuring essential needs were being met, I think that's what a government should be doing. You know, we talked a little bit about that, I think, in our dinner last night. But I think a country that assures the minimum needs of its citizens, health, food, housing, well-being, so that they can actualize, that is, find the meaning and purpose for them internally and practice whatever faith they want to do and want to give back to their country and want to do those things. Earn. Earn the respect in the and of the people. Right. And part of that is a more equal, you know, not a elite group of billionaires live great lives and everybody else struggles and may not even have enough money to eat, much less take care of their basic health. But what I liked about it is that you observed that people were sort of happy or there, you thought, or at least those that you interacted with, and that the conditions, that kind of conditions. So does patriotism mean we love our country, whatever it does? Now, it doesn't mean we don't have to work for better a better vision of our country. And look, we've grown up here. We have relatives here. We do have attachments to our geography, and we have desires for ourselves and that country. But it's like a promise, a mutual promise, almost like a marriage, right? One or the other side, you can break a promise, right? Yeah. So what do you think about patriotism now? Well, you basically think it's a contract, and a contract has to go both ways. Yes. I love that. Yeah. There is an agreement, but, but it, contractual parties of sort. Yeah. That we will give you very, very, very basic support. And in exchange, you will follow the law, pay your taxes, and flourish generally. Yeah. And, you know, I like to feel it. I'm, I like being part of thriving communities and you do my part. And I like your dad, an elected official, so he contributes to a better place and abides by rules in that kind of vision. But there just seems to be this, either you're patriotic or you're, you're a bad person. So patriotic in the sense that other people define it as, yeah, you don't love your country, then you're a bad person. And you have to love the country they, they love. You still, if you don't love my vision of this country, you're a bad person. Right. Which is not true. People have different visions for the life they want to live. There's nothing wrong with. Oh, but most of them. I think that isn't that the struggles of history almost to allow create an environment. Right. What's the? It's that tension between allowing for freedom, allowing for people to form their own communities and values and beliefs, and then where is the line and what is not culturally relative and what is truly, really, really just bad. And, you know, that it's interesting. I'm trying to see how this decision on race-based... Affirmative action. Affirmative action fits into... Because countries have histories, and in their histories, they... Impact what the country looks like today. And, well, they've disadvantaged... Large, but they've engaged in horrible conduct. You know, it's not just countries. It's, you know, the whole idea of slavery and race-based 
slavery, slavery based on the color of your skin and the power of wealth to force people to live certain ways and do certain things. And what obligations do later generations have to try to repair that? Now, we, we don't need to go all the way into that, but I just find the expectation of, I do think America is an ideal that's worth celebrating and I would hope will continue to become better. Absolutely, I do too. Be interesting. A lot of people we know, you're young, but if you had another place to live, if you could, if you felt you you wanted to go live somewhere else, I'm curious, what would that, where would that be? Do you have something? I really haven't thought about that. I think it would be Canada for me and people. Mm-hmm. You know, Israel's a little bit too far away, and I'm not real happy with their forward government at the moment. They're not either. Parliamentary governments are a bit more representative than our current representative government, which gives very small populations huge power because of the size of the country, gives small states power, the same power that highly populated states have problem. So I was just curious. I think on July 4th, we enjoy, we used to take your dad and your sister, your aunt Rachel, to the Capitol, the Washington Monument area to watch the fire. The National Mall. Yeah, the National Mall. And we even, and we, there's a, we also did watch it from the Capitol steps. I worked on Capitol Hill. So mm-hmm. to make the country better, but just nonsense. Highway or the highway kind of stuff seems to be growing in America, the demonization of others and the growing risk of being. But like also my way when it comes to things that are culturally relative, I feel like that's important to mention because we talked about that earlier, how sometimes there are lies and there are things that are not culturally relative and then there are things that are culturally relative. And it's like my way with the things that are culturally relative, the terms of being okay or not okay. So give me something that you consider culturally relative so I understand it better. Oh, well, anything that's not like, like you were talking about like female genital mutilation. Like that's obviously not, that's, that's a not culturally relative. Like that's bad. And that, you know, a sense of, you know, even people who have different views of relationships and marriages and women's wives should stay home or they live in a community where women have particular roles. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to go into somebody else's house and tell them how to live. It never ends well. People do not take well to being told <laughs> you're doing everything wrong. You're doing everything wrong. I know how to do everything right. It just, it does not, it never goes well. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, living lives and demonstrating, but it gets complicated. But, but I think you and dignity and you and think there are ideals that we want to work for and try to create opportunities for everybody. And... Yeah, you know, look, I think it's important to say, I do think the idea, at least as I understand it, the freedom within the American Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the trying to give a, a republic, if you can keep it, is mm-hmm. and type it. You know, I don't like representative government. I'm not a big fan of what, you know, uh, referenda kind of votes where everybody gets to vote. I think... You don't like them? I think that there are risk of mobs and that large numbers of people can be easily swayed and that it is useful to have checks and balances and systems and having representative government so that a group of people who are swayed by one charismatic 
person. Don't get to decide for everybody. I think checks and balances are good. Interesting. Pure, pure democracy is a majority wins. Right, right, right. Balancing different interests, even if they not, might not be the majority, doesn't mean their interests aren't warranted or worth the hearing or legitimate. Right. It's, you know, we see it. That's what authoritarianism is, that, you know, whoever's in power gets to define it. Do whatever they want. Right. They dictate whatever they want. And they're often value-based, but a different set of values, which don't, you know, it comes down to very personal things. What are your vision of the ultimate value of life and freedom, the value of every human life? And to let it, see, this is why I, I think, I don't know if they even use language like this in the New Zealand that you painted. You know, you got me thinking, I'm like, this is all your fault. <laughs> But the idea that you articulated that if your basic human needs are met, of health and food and housing and medical care, that you can explore your your own talents and interests and become the best person. That you can be. That you can be. And you can change from time to time. You'll learn. You know, it's had me thinking recently, for example, how many people in America work at jobs that are routine and harsh, not just physically, but every day the same place, because they need the health care. Well, I mean, every country has jobs like that. Absolutely. Right. Yes. But if you left your job in the United States, you would have zero health No health care. Yeah. It doesn't let people do whatever they want to do. It's not even being your best self because you could, like, there are people who say, oh, well, having, like, you have to have, a, having employer-based health care for people to have good jobs and be a better person in quotes and be better because good people have good jobs and that makes them a better person but maybe being your best self i guess like it being your happiest self doing what you want to do with your life and not having to worry about health care and you know i would argue it's about finding meaning and talent and it's exploration that could change but it's a deep question and you know but I now imagine if you can have the opportunity to explore and if you feel like you can play an instrument or if you can paint or if you write or you think or you're a sports person, but in that you understand how to motivate people, whatever they may be. And yes, you need to, you're part of a society, your commitment, there is an, a fair expectation that you contribute to the community in what it needs in fair and important ways. And that is included in sort of your responsibilities as a citizen. And in the process, you know, you pay attention to yourself and in what moves you and what, how do you become the best Emily? How do I become the best Sam Simon? And, you know, it's fun. You watch everybody. People struggle finding themselves. That's not magic. First being human. Yeah. But I think a society that works to enable that environment and that world for people and is filled with, you know, different cultures and you can watch and see and allow it happen and imagine different things. And then as you find your place in your life and what makes you, hopefully you also feel responsible to help others and to help the society. I have no problem with a sense of I'm here. I enjoy the benefits of a, a strong, a healthy economy and the place I should contribute back. I shouldn't be willing to serve 
public service and some military. I'm not against that. I don't want chaos. But I want it more bottom-up, community-based, mutual mutuality and respect. And I love the idea that its goal is to enable people to find their best selves and lead their most meaningful lives. Right. Is so it, that's why it's a fourth of the idea. I guess the country doesn't do that. I, I think there's too much off and on switch around the word patriotism. You are you're not, right. You are not, and if you're not, you're evil, and we have to kill you or go somewhere. You know, the, the phrase used to be loving or leaving. No. That was, that was I got to tell you, it was in the 60s and 70s, when you beyond America, there was a phrase, love it or leave it. And if you didn't love it, meaning do what the government told you to go do, it really meant do what I think is right, not what you think is right. Not what you think right. You know, I would just hope we could develop a, a different culture and this more generous culture and life fulfilling and brought out. You know, I, I think we've had leaders do that. I think Barack Obama was inspirational in that way. He used language about that. I think some of the, you know, I think the current Pope has language like that. I don't agree with the church on a lot of things, but imagines a world like that. And then there are the, you know, others who believe that they should be able to, you know, I have a, what I call the five-year-old boy of freedom, a kid. I want to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. You can't tell me what to do. And if you try to, I'll tell you, you know, you will not replace me. I don't know where, where that comes from. Anyway, we've probably bored everybody to death. Grandpa. No, I mean, this is interesting. So what are you going to do on July 4th? I'm still figuring that out. You can go down to the Washington Monument. You know what we did? We did that on your dad's bar mitzvah weekend. Oh. He was bar mitzvah on the Shabbat near July 1st. And it was a July 4th, and, and people were in town. And we took a bus down to the mall and experienced these things. So, yeah, we can value the country. We can value the ideals. I just feel like patriotism in the, has been become almost like a dirty word because of the way it's been abused. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I see people my age who see people use patriotism in the sense of, I think you need to adhere to my value system or you're not a patriot. And they say, well, then I'm not a patriot and I don't like this country at all. That's, that's what they say because they don't think of other definitions, central definitions of the word. Well, thank you for letting me think about this some more. And our, you know, I love getting pushed to articulate it because it's like so subtle in my mind. But for younger people and who don't know this history, it's it's a great conversation. Yeah, so you articulated a lot of thoughts I've sort of had in my head, half-baked, but you've got more time to think about them. Good. Well, happy fourth. Before yeah. it. Hopefully we'll have a year of more freedom and respect and dignity for all people in the United States. Anyone who happens to be living here, they're human beings. Human life and rights are more important than anything, and our country needs to see and do that, including people who are looking for a new, better life. Absolutely, I agree. With that said, we'll see you all in two weeks.